Hello and welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me, as always, is the lovely Curtis Eastwood over there. How are you doing, Curtis? I'm doing well. Yeah, you uh, you went to uh, a major event here uh, in the city of Seattle. I went to a professional men's basketball game at the Climate <laughs> yeah. <Ed> Arena. <laughs> the first one I've been to since the 2000 aughts. I mean, that must be the first NBA game that's been in Seattle since the 2000 aughts. No, no, we've had a couple. They've, 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 they've had a few, and they had a few preseason games. Yeah, but this one felt maybe a little bit more. Yeah, significant. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the Sonics are kind of coming back sooner than than we might think. I get a little um, bit of a vibe. I, I'm feeling the vibe. I'm feeling. There was, the vibe. there was a lot of there was a lot of former Sonic players and coaches there, and um, there were like the three major uh, figureheads of the um, uh, the municipality of Seattle and the county of King and the state of Washington were all. Yeah, you know that that Senate feels that so feels a little significant. And most significantly, Macklemore was there. <laughs> Macklemore was there. I didn't know Macklemore was still a thing. But you know, so Macklemore, Macklemore was kind of hyping up the, the crowd. But you know who really hyped up the crowd? I'll was just it Sue? Out past this. No, no. It was uh, um, Steve Ballmer. Oh, Went yeah. out there and did, a, and did a hype speech thing that was just off the hook. Fine. Does Steve Ballmer want to wanna own a piece of the new seattle supersonics mm, he's not no, he's got the clippers he's got the clippers, yeah. but yeah it was oh, does he know the clippers oh i didn't know that yeah. um all these rich guys they've all they've all got something as long as it's not like elon musk i think i'm okay yeah um as long as i get the sonics back I'm okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm like, yeah alana how are you doing over there i'm doing all right it's uh Yom Kippur, uh, my family's um, uh, observing that today. Uh, and so I got a little private time tonight, which was nice. That's uh, nice. Because Beth and Svea went to synagogue and I watched a couple of episodes of a high school TV show that I'm, I've am i just picked up. So Nice. Yeah. Are those new specs? No, no. I just they have 19 nice. pairs of glasses. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, I like them. And uh, we're missing Millie today. Millie's on vacation, so we brought in a special guest star, Stephen Stern in his Saints sweater. How are you doing over there, Stephen? I'm doing fine. It's nice to be here with y'all. I've I've, uh, seen the show, but I am now delighted to have a chance to be on it, even though we're talking about something that's already making me nervous, the St. Seahawks game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to dive in. We're excited to have you. Uh, we always have like having special guest dorks on the program. Do you do you play fantasy football at all, Stephen? I do not. No, okay. Millie does, and, and I, I always like living vicariously through Millie's fantasy football because I'm terrible at it. Um, <laughs> so I checked in with Millie to see how she was doing. It not doing well. She did not. She did not do well. So you know, last week she she said her husband was her nemesis, um, who apparently played Devo Samuel and and ran rough shot all over her. So um, we're thinking about you, Millie. 
you know, you're in our thoughts and prayers and we're sorry you lost that fantasy football team. Just dust off and, and you got next week. Uh, speaking of football, I thought that last Seahawks game was a little bit of a fantasy myself. I think Geno Smith <laughs> so. Uh, that's the, I, that must be the best game Geno Smith has ever played. What do you think, Curtis? Yeah, I don't remember what he did when he was in New York. Um, I think maybe he had a couple good games. I, I know he's had a couple. He had a couple games over there where he threw over three hundred yards and stuff. But he, I mean, that was that that would have been one of the best games for Russell Wilson. To be absolutely honest, I mean the efficiency numbers were were crazy. Um, I'm just really happy for him. Um, it's um through the first uh uh quarter of the season he is i believe the second best efficiency passer in the league behind um allen from uh from buffalo, buffalo. yeah that's i mean that's, that's saying company. something he's got the fifth best qbr in the league right now ahead mm-hmm. of um of uh the the quarterback in baltimore um uh, and uh josh herbert or uh, justin herbert which is i mean that's high high company um i you know prefaced it with we're only four games in but um he's looked that good um i mean that that's consistent production um it's not like he's he's having highs and lows uh he's he's having mid games and great um, I don't think Gino's had a, a bad game yet, um, which is, I mean, that's, that's really, that's really, really good. Even that game against the Niners, um, you know, he did what he could. Uh, and if we recall what happened right after that game, um, Carol came out in almost sort of a stunning fashion on Monday and said, um, we need to open it up more for Gino. Yeah. And what happened? He threw his 60 yard bomb to DK Metcalf. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the way DK got involved in that game uh, was pretty, pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then, of course, Tyler Lockett getting those numbers, too. Um, the You know, I, I don't know. I'm just so happy for Gino. Um, I, I, what, he broke the record for the highest completion percentage through the first four games of the season? Yeah. And that's just incredible. I've been looking, I've been scouring all over line um, about stuff that's being um, posted, you know, analytic stats that he's achieving right now and it's really pretty it's pretty remarkable that a guy who has spent the last five years as a backup quarterback is putting up these kind of numbers yeah for the first you know and getting a lot of attention from the national media yeah um and i i have to say in large part i think uh the o-line is protecting him really really well i think they're uh in the top 10 right now in pass block um efficiency numbers um and the run game is getting going as it did uh last game alana do you think this kind of offensive production is sustainable they they're third in offensive dvoa right now again it's only four games into the season but you know Mm -hmm. that's that's really good you know i think it's sustainable uh because we know what we want to do and we're sticking to it right Mm -hmm. like it's interesting that the game plan has been to say that we're run 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 um when actually we're not running yeah with the exception of this last game (laughs) 
Uh, so it'll be really interesting when we go up against another competent defense uh, in New Orleans to see how that kind of plays out. Um, I, but I, I think this is entirely sustainable. Uh, when you have a quarterback who's completing 77% of their passes, um, that's not something that is a flash in the pan, right? Like if he was airing it out and completing like 63% of his passes um, and uh, then, then I would have a little bit more worry about sustainability. Um, but he's he fits so perfectly into um, what's his uh, Waldron system. Yeah. Like it's a it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, uh, for him to just step in there and uh, we've got three really good tight ends and they're proving that they're all three really yeah. good. And the, um, they're being you know what, Uncle used. Will got another and touchdown. Used. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uncle Will has three. To- I think he leads the team in touchdowns right now. That's um, crazy, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I mean, he's a Montana kid, so uh, <laughs> I have a, a strong appreciation for him. But like, it's just, it's really, it, it it's been. Y'all were talking before we started about how much fun this season had the possibility of being because we had no expectations and because, uh, you know, we we got rid of that clown um, uh, who has proven to be an absolute clown over the course of the first four weeks of the of the year. Um, And now we have somebody who just wants to show up and do the job. Uh, And that's wonderful. Like, uh, and the other, I mean, I, I know I said this on an earlier podcast, the difference in the way that Gino and Russ dress for the game yeah. is it's remarkable. Gino looks like he's stepping out of like uh, an Italian um, <laughs> joint with the red leather couches. He looks yeah. really like that. that like he had that, that purple suit. Oh, yeah. it was so nice. Russ so is good. wearing these like gold lame jackets um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that are purple, actually. Uh, he just, and, and like a whole suit in that color. It, there's just a difference. It, it, it feels chintzy compared yeah. to what, what Gino's doing, which just feels like that real musky class. Yeah. Um, and I, I just like that look so much more. Uh, and and that makes me drawn more to Gino. So, like, I, you know, will we, the, the NFC is bad. Um, just straight up bad. Just straight up awful. So, will we be able to compete throughout the season? I think maybe, you know. I mean, our defense blows whole, but we have a big weakness and we have a competent offense and that's wonderful. I think so too. And, and, a, and an offense that I think Gino just has a complete mastery over yeah. um, the, the audibles that he's calling at the lines and stuff. Mm-hmm. What was that like third 16 and he calls an yeah. audible and, mm-hmm. and Rashad Benny gets the drop. first down. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, 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 he's carrying himself with a swagger that I haven't seen him carry uh, before. Um, there's just so much confidence in that. I don't ever right remember Russ audibling to the extent that Gino Smith has through these first four games. Yeah. Like Gino, I don't know. There was something that was, there was something that Rashad Penny had said in his post game press conference uh, when asked about Gino Smith and uh, it was really kind of sweet and lovely because he almost, I felt kind of swelled up in the eyes a little bit and got a little, like you could tell. Yeah. 
he loves Geno Smith. Yeah. And he said, like, you know, something like, you know, y'all don't understand what we've been seeing for the last mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. practices. Like, he... Um, well, and they're not, not immune and he, to what the media And, and, and he had to sort of either. correct himself and said, like, it's not like Russ didn't do this, but Gino, Gino just does all the little detail stuff. Mm-hmm. He does it consistently. And, and I think that I remember... I remember either seeing or hearing possibly on the radio uh, when someone was talking about him that, um, you know, Smith is a super, super intense kind of football junkie. Like he's like a, he's like a football nerd. You know, for the last few years, as he's been sort of riding the the pine behind Russ and Phillip rivers and Eli Manning, he's sort of, I think has sort of, shifted his thinking into like well if i don't become a starter again i'm going to be a head coach mm-hmm. yeah. so he's really become a student of the game and i think it's i think it's showing up i mean i think it's showing up in these games by the way he's like reading defenses and seeing and making adjustments yeah. kind of on the fly and one of the things that really super impressed me i could i could i could spend this whole episode talking about how impressed i am with geno smith <laughs> right now uh but i won't but, but we I, have a guest so we need to make sure i know and we gotta need to, to move on but the one yeah. thing that i've been noticing lately is how 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 deadly he is at the play action pass right now and i didn't get as strong a sense of that last year when he subbed in for us in those games it feels like that's something he's developed so at 31 years of age it feels like he's still finding his game and that's super intriguing to me that i i love it um i'm rooting for him and if he ends up going to the pro bowl uh, man that's a cinderella story um uh not much i want to talk about the defense that we haven't talked about but Tariq wolin baiting that interception and Mm. taking it to the house for pick six was pretty dang exciting for a corner that young um and with that kind of upside uh you know, if he continues to develop his game like that, he can be one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Um, and that's really, really, really exciting. Um, so the Seahawks got the Saints next. Uh, I don't I, I don't have a bead on this team. I, I, I mean, you know, admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of Saints games this season, uh, but uh, I don't have a bead on this team. What can you tell me about the Saints, Stephen? What what is this team doing this season? Uh, and are are they contenders? Are they going to be competitive in the NFC? Well, they're one and three. Yeah, but right. <laughs> nobody except the Eagles is better than two and two. So anybody is a contender, right? And yeah. Dallas, apparently. Is Dallas better than two? They're and three two? and one. They're, yeah. they're three and one. Really? Wow. That's a surprise. That won't last. Here's my prediction. <laughs> Dallas is not going to last. No, the Saints have got a lot of problems. They don't. We don't know who's playing for the Saints this week. They've had the last two days off, so nobody has practiced yet. We don't know if Kamara's coming back. We don't know if Michael Thomas is coming back. No one said anything about which of the two quarterbacks is going to play quarterback this week. Uh, it's been a rough start for Dennis Allen, who is looking about like he did when he was the Jets head coach and didn't win any games. Right. Uh, kind of questionable why they picked a defensive coach to take over for Sean Payton at a time that they were also trying to break in a new quarterback. 
you would think that maybe they would have hired one of the offensive assistant coaches who is available instead of promoting their own excellent defensive coordinator. So it's not unpredictable that what they have this year is a defense that's playing pretty well, penalties aside, and an offense that looks confused and lost most of the times played I, yeah i know and you've court. got like the the marcus mariota who is throwing more interceptions than touchdowns except except he's not throwing for like five thousand yards a season like like if you're right. <laughs> you know what i mean like uh uh winston yeah they yeah. came out of the same draft together right. they, they and, did and, yeah and and, and they, and they kind of like flamed out together uh, but, but, but Winston is like, you know, he throws a lot of picks, but he also can air it out. He just airs it out. But so that's kind of what you get with him. But if he's not, if he's throwing a bunch of picks and he's not airing it out, that's like the worst version of Winston. But he's also really hurt. I mean, he's got four broken bones in his back and a foot injury. God. He had no business playing in the second or third week, but they played in the second, the second week, I guess, La- you know, last week it was Dalton and Dalton was better. Um, he wasn't good enough to win, you know, against Minnesota in London, but he was better. They showed some signs of life. You know, they almost sent the game into overtime, but their 61-yard field goal double doinked off the crossbars, so they lost by a field goal. And uh, as as often happens with the Saints, they got a lot of penalties called on them. Some of them are legitimate. Some of them are not. I think Seahawks fans have seen this too. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we're used to that dance. Yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen this week. I don't even know who's playing for the Saints this week, much less who's going to win the game. <laughs> uh, it's I weird think... to me that they that they played in London and don't get a bye week after. Like, for oh, yeah. the team, like, that kind of sucks. Oh. You know, when, when we go into our predictions here, that's going to factor in my, my prediction. Is like, having that kind of travel is crazy. Right, and and they've taken two days off since then. And I understand why they want two days off, but yeah. it's now a short week of practice on the heels of a kind of a heartbreaking loss. Yeah. And they don't really know who's playing. So, you know, the Seahawks offense looked great against Detroit. I watched part of that game. One thing y'all didn't mention is how well Geno Smith ran the ball on the under and ran. Very impressive. I haven't seen the Seahawks quarterback run that fast in quite a while. Um, <laughs> You know, he was he, he ran at the right times and he ran really well. Um, that's something that Winston, when he was playing with broken bones in his back, wasn't doing. He had opportunities yeah. to run, but he was throwing weak passes instead. So I think that you've got the strength of the Seahawks against the strength of the Saints. Seahawks offense, Saints defense. Versus the defense, yeah. And then the Saints offense, which has a ton of weapons, if they can play, but no direction against the weakness of the Seahawks, which is a, a defense that looked pretty poor against the Lions. And the Lions aren't super great. So, you know, maybe we have a low-scoring game. Maybe we have a high-scoring game. Maybe the Seahawks blow us out. Maybe we blow the Seahawks out. I don't think we'll be blowing <laughs> the Seahawks out. I'll just say, I think it's probably going to be close, and someone's going to be frustrated to lose the game. That would be my guess, is that at the end of the game, the, people, the team that loses is going to think we could have won that. Yeah, yeah. So what do you, what do you feeling, think? Do you a, go ahead, Curtis. Uh, I was just going to say, I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, with the um, the sort of the the polar opposites of the Seahawks offense versus the Seahawks defense, 
this year, it feels like most of the Seahawks games this year are going to be like that. Like it's yeah. going to come down to yes. kind of like final possession type of scenarios oftentimes and yeah yeah uh, i mean even the seahawks when they were great during the lob era uh mm-hmm. often came down to final possession that's just pete carroll football yeah. um and then you know it, it the the score will be a score that's never been uh that's never been done before that's score the seahawks gummy, hold the record for score gummies i feel like they should i i i mean like i don't know that anybody's cracking that um yeah but i but I believe yes. Um, but be, and and, and you gotta assign it to a coach, really, mm. because like if the if a team that played in the first six years of NFL football probably actually holds the record for scoregami, right, right. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. All. I know, um, Stephen. I'm curious. Um, I don't, I don't know if I'm stepping on your toes here, Daniel, but I would love to hear a little bit about your Saints fandom and the history of your, you know, being a Saints fan, if you have, if we have a minute to do that. So yeah. I, I really loved when Marcy shared that uh, about the 49ers. Yeah, well, I grew up in, thank you for asking, I grew up in New Orleans. The house we lived in was around the corner from Tulane Stadium, which is where the Saints played in those days actually went to two Super Bowls in that stadium, Super Bowl mm. four and Super Bowl nine. Wow. Uh, nice. Ton of Saints games. My brother and I made money by helping people park in our driveway so they could walk to the game. Uh, my my dad had season tickets to the Saints and it was a huge part of our life. You know, we weren't a real sporty family, but we did go to a lot of Saints games and they were terrible. And the Saints did not have a winning season for their mm. first 20 years. They didn't play in a playoff game until their 25th year, and they didn't win a playoff game until 2001, which was you know, 34 years after they started playing. You wow. compare that to the Seahawks, who started in, what, 76, and 36. were in the, the, um, the, champ, the league championship game in 83. Yeah. So that's a, that's a pretty short amount of time to build a championship mm-hmm. team. The Saints did it a lot slower yeah. and in a very roundabout way. I mean, they fielded some really lousy teams that I got to watch play a lot. So as a result, having grown up with that, I'm very pessimistic and I don't ever expect them to win. Uh, but <laughs> I think a lot I, of Mariners fans can relate. Absolutely. Yes. I think that there's little similarity there, <laughs> but it's a, it's a very deep uh, bond with the team because you've been through so much. It's almost like the Stockholm syndrome or something, but, but the picture behind me is, uh, is my mom and dad and my son, Aaron, in New Orleans at the Superdome in 2012, we took Aaron to New Orleans to see what it was like there. He ate at a lot of great restaurants and, uh, and we went to the Saints <laughs> Panthers game, which in true Saints fashion, they lost and it was <laughs> year, I believe, but, uh, but it was, it was a great thing. It's, you know, one of the things that I most enjoyed doing with my dad when he was alive was, was watching the Saints. We went to a couple games at, uh, the Seahawks stadium, which was called various things at various times. And, uh, and it's, you know, it's just, I can't say it's important to me because objectively it's not important, but it's deeply meaningful to me anyway, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sports fandom. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what I love about sports. It's, it's completely meaningless and totally meaningful all at the same time. 
Yeah. And it has the ability to build community. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will never forget watching the Saints win the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. That was a terrific game. I mean, that was that was that was a great game. It was a game. One of the gutsiest calls too coming out of half. Like that was just so stunning. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that was I just, there was there's there's been various times uh uh as I have grown to become a diehard football fan and a diehard Seahawks fan where I've jumped on the Saints bandwagon and I think that even though Seattle found success quicker in the playoffs than the Saints have the Seahawks were very much the total underdog team of the AFC West for many years and until they jumped back into the NFC. And, and I remember back in the late eighties, early nineties, when Jim Mora took over for the saints and Bobby a bear was the quarterback. Like I really kind of, and I think Sam Mills was the middle linebacker mm-hmm. and stuff. Like there was a lot of saints football that I would just sort of start paying attention to because it was fun to see them finally, taste playoffs and at the same time i was a big seahawks fan i mean yeah. i started following the seahawks when i knew i was moving to the pacific Northwest <laughs> in 1983 which was a great year to start following the seahawks right because they mm-hmm. had a fantastic mm-hmm. year but uh but yeah i've always liked the seahawks and other than other than this anomaly that i'm still a saints fan i follow seattle sports teams i go to the Kraken games i love the mariners i my favorite team is the storm though Nice. Yeah, I mean, well, you have uh, you have a lot of like-minded fans there in this podcast. <laughs> um, so you mentioned the Mariners, yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, we'll get into that. Let's uh, let's quickly get through some predictions. Um, and we do last week. So <laughs> we all do. So last Millie's week. not here, so I don't know the fi- I can't, I don't know the final scores. Uh, I can't remember what I did. I know I picked against them, and I know Curtis is the only one. Uh, that said, the Seahawks are going to pull this one out. So uh, congratulations, Curtis. Yeah, I don't think anybody expected a shootout. No. That's what we got. A high I got the point differential right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I would have just said Seahawks by three, I would have nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not how we do things here, Curtis. We want yeah, to It is not. So, Curtis, give me a score for, uh, for Seahawks Saints. How is it going to go? God, I actually have a weird feeling that it's going to be a offensive shootout between the two teams again, um, yep. with a little bit better defense being played. Um, I am gonna, I'm gonna be a homer again, and I'm gonna say that um, Geno Smith is the hot quarterback right now, and I think coming out of Detroit, that was a big. Con- confidence booster for the offense and maybe the defense a little bit knowing that they've got that offense clicking i'm gonna say seattle wins this one 31 27 yeah i also think it's going to be a bit of a shootout i think it's going to go a little bit like that atlanta game did um Mm -hmm. i am predicting seahawks because uh they're pretty good at these 10 a.m road games under carroll um and uh and the saints are gonna have that london hangover i'm going seahawks 34 saints 30 i think gino's gonna engineer i think gino's gonna have himself a four touchdown game that's what i think lana what do you got um uh the, the thing that really sticks out to me about this game is 
the circumstances around it, which are, as Stephen mentioned, two days of no practice. Uh, you've also got um, uh, Kamara potentially out, Michael Thomas potentially out, what quarterback is going to be starting, and the ever enigmatic um, Taysom Hill kind of like hovering over everything, uh, as well as the other factors for the Seahawks, uh, which is that it's a 10 a.m. road game where you're right, uh, Carol has coached them up and figured out how to uh, conquer that beast. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Seahawks in a blowout um, uh, and just kind of brutalizing that uh, Saints defense um, uh, and Gino being the, the big star. Did, did they announce Offensive Player of the Week yet? Because I, no, I do think it's going to be Gino. It's going to be tomorrow morning. I kind of, okay. I'm kind of leaning towards Gino, maybe getting that this week. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be 35-10 Seahawks. Wow, the defense is going to step up. I mean, if Kamara's out, that will be huge because the Seahawks are terrible against the run. Less um, defense steps up, and more New Orleans can't do anything on offense. <laughs> the interesting thing about the Seahawks get- defense with the uh, with with against the lions is up until that one busted run play, that big play that happened in the third quarter, they were actually holding, uh, they were holding the lions offense, uh, the run attempts to a pretty decent, you know, yeah. uh, stat line. Until it wasn't. <laughs> until Steven, it wasn't. What do you got? Well, the one thing I didn't mention about the Saints this week is that Latavius Murray, who had a fantastic game for the Saints in London, got signed by the Broncos. <laughs> right. Man, that <laughs> sucks. <laughs> so we don't know if we have Kamara. Mark Ingram's not looking too good, and Latavius Murray is now at the Broncos. So really, I'm going to pick the Saints anyway just because the team is better than what they've played by such a vast distance. I just can't see that team being one and four and the Seahawks can be scored on, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and the Saints' defense is good. So I think the Saints will put together enough to win at home in a game that they really kind of have to win if they want to uh, to not be playing this season to get a top draft pick. Um, so 26-24 Saints, and I won't be surprised if Alana's right. <laughs> well, the, the frustrating thing about a, a team like the Seahawks in that version of the rebuild they are is uh, they're definitely good enough to beat any team in the league, and they will also just lay an egg against even bad teams. It's just going to be one of those seasons where we can, we'll go into Philly and just, like, take a game and then, you know, lose against Baker Mayfield in Carolina. You know, it's like it's – yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you lost to Atlanta. Atlanta's bad enough. Yeah, to- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hey, Atlanta's tied in first in the NFC South. So, like <laughs> – Yeah, they could be the team this year that stuns everybody. I've got this weird feeling like in the NFC, we're going to see like a ton of eight and nine teams. That's going to be so yeah. weird. Like it's yeah. just going to, and like, and, and like picking that final wild card spot <laughs> is just going to have to come down to like, you know, points scored and all kinds of like crazy tiebreakers. Well, that that uh, plays into the Seahawks' favor because Seattle is, uh, is, the, is the city of chaos ball. It's true. it's true. As the Mariners have proven, when on September 30th, they finally made it to the playoffs for the first time in 21 years. I mean, this was 
you know, Ichiro Suzuki was a rookie the last time. Mm-hmm. The oh my God. You know, we were still in the Bush administration uh, the last time the Mariners made the playoffs. Uh, I, I mean, I, th- that that game was wild. Um, <laughs> that, that crowd was loud and crazy. It was like uh, it would the twenty one years of pent up frustration, like like released into the air. Um, and then in pure Mariners fashion, they won it in a two and one game, which is, you know, uh, a score that they've, they've had, uh, you know, I don't know, a number of times this season. Uh, but I mean, Cinderella story, uh, Cal Raleigh gets the call up to pinch hit, you know, Scott service says we're in our last out. We, we need a home run. Cal he goes to Cal Raleigh. Cal Raleigh's done this before. He's been clutch for us before. He goes in. Pitch count is full, three and two. He goes low, scoops up the ball, and just fires it into the stands. Um, I, I, I I've never seen anything like that. Uh, you know, it, that is the kind of thing that tells me the Mariners are the team of destiny. You know, that's like, like when stuff goes your way like that, it, you know, it's, it's the better to be lucky than good. That's what the Mariners are right now. You know, I think they've just got that, that X factor team of destiny. Uh, we're going all the way. Looks like we're going to be playing the blue Jays uh, in Toronto. I have a feeling they're going to take that series and they're going to, they're going to face our nemesis, the Houston Astros. And if that happens, the Mariners will be America's team. Oh, yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. I, I was so happy that Cal Raleigh was able to get that. Alana, you and I have talked uh, throughout this mm-hmm. pod and, you know, all through our group chats this summer, Cal Raleigh has kind of been our favorite player of the mm-hmm. of the team this year. And uh, truly, maybe, you know, um, I, you know, I know this might be a little sacrilegious, but maybe the MVP of the Mariners uh, this season. I don't think it's sacrilegious. I think that you just, you know, you got to recognize the whole contribution. Um, yeah. Uh, where, and the fact that he was able to play for the team and play a role for the team that supported and allowed Julio and Gino to do what they did, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he's the, is he second on the team at homers? Did he pass? Julio? I think he might. I think he might have passed Julio. They're so close. So I, I'm not yeah. sure. I but mean, like, you know, and Julio was was out for for a, a while. Yeah. Sure, but yeah. but Raleigh doesn't play every game because he's a catcher. Because he's a catcher. You know? So like, I think if when you look at the season stats, I'm guessing they played very similar number of games. Yeah. Um. But at any rate, uh, I just love his energy. I love the fact that Kelnick gave him the nickname Big Dumper. And he <laughs> Best just nickname like, in the league. Yeah. And he was like, I t- just, I, I guess I'm the Big Dumper now. And he's dopey. He's got that catcher dopiness. And, like, he calls a wonderful game. Um, yeah. And he's the best in the league at throwing people out at second. He's the number one catcher in the league for home runs. If you redo this season, um, <clears throat> uh, the all-star vote, I think he's an all-star I, um, and I think, I think that there's a real good chance that he'll be an all-star next year. Um, and I think we could, we could send uh, a, you know, a triumvirate plus of Julio, Logan and Cal 
maybe Gino, maybe, you know, depending on how people have seasons, but he's just, he's got the right energy. He plays like a kid, you know, mm-hmm. and, and when he hits a home run, it's beautiful. It like, is. Like it's just a beautiful swing, a beautiful um, hit. And the energy that he had in that last moment was just magic. I also wanted to call out, um, yeah, I watched, I was in Portland and I watched a lot of the celebration because they had it on, mm-hmm. I was at a McMenamin's. Um, and uh, I got to catch all of the Matthew Boyd interview. And like Matthew Boyd, for those who don't know, is a reliever on the Seahawks, or sorry, Mariners that they traded for, or yeah, traded for from the Giants midseason, who grew up in Seattle who grew up rooting for this team. Mm. He has pictures of himself in the kingdom with his dad at Safeco before they changed the name. And when they interviewed him, he he couldn't hold it together. He was crying. He was weeping for the city of Seattle uh, uh-huh. and, and just how emotional it was for him to have followed this team and now to be a part of its success. Um, it was a really big deal. It was really neat. And I also lastly wanted to say uh, in that celebration that, um, Scott Service was like uh, the proud dad of Seattle. Um, and it really like, um, Stephen, you were mentioning something about how sports are like, why feel that? I mean, like not why feel that way, but like, it doesn't matter. But when, when you have, like, I was here for when the Seahawks went to the Super Bowl uh, all three times. I had, I had lived here in 2005. Um, but specifically in 2013, when it was like, oh, we're, we're going to win and not everybody knows it. The fact that you would be walking down the street and every single person you saw would say, go Hawks, go Hawks, go Hawks. Um, and seeing that again in 2014. Um, and then now I get, I'm getting the exact same feeling from people about the Mariners, uh, and knowing, getting messages from friends who live out of the city. Uh, about it um and it's just it's really special it's 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 the type of thing that can bring a community together um and unfortunately like we're all artists here um it would be lovely if art could do the same thing to the same degree um but unfortunately it can't it doesn't in our society because of how our society is structured so having something like sports that can uh, I've, I love it. Um, and this team is so lovable. It's great. So yeah. Uh, I, my kids starting to like baseball and that is very surprising to me and super rad. I think, um, I think that's awesome. Uh, where are you, were you watching the game, Steven? Yes. Uh, I went to the game the night before That's right. <laughs> 11 innings and I, I was watching and my son was at the game. He was at both uh, games. He's there again tonight. He was there last night. He he spends most of his earnings from working in the kitchen at Aegis Living on going to Mariners games. I so love that. He's very excited. You know, he's he was a baby with the last time they went to the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was special. And I have the same feeling about Cal Raleigh that you guys do. He's got such joy. I mean, yeah. watching him round third base and jump into his teammates arms you could you can't not tear up at a moment like that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah. i mean and it is there's a storytelling aspect to the season the mariners have had that you would love to see on stage or in a movie you know, you know. absolutely yeah 100 percent. 
Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, the, the other thing I want to say about Cal Raleigh is that he's a sniper, uh, when, when somebody is trying to steal second, mm-hmm. uh, anytime I see a opposing team trying to steal second and Cal Raleigh's behind the plate, I know he's going out. Uh, Curtis, how, how does it feel? It's exciting. I'm, yeah. uh, I'm, uh, it's been 21 freaking years since I've watched mariners playoff baseball it's it's just it's a, it's almost kind of it's jarring it's like it's almost like uh uh i'm 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 about ready to uh get out of the state penitentiary you know and uh <laughs> go visit relatives that i haven't seen for like 21 years uh see nephews that are married and like all this sort of shit right it's like it's i, I i'm just i'm looking forward to friday night turning on the television set and watching the mariners play and uh beat um the Blue Jays and take that series because my mom was from beautiful scenic British Columbia uh, from a large Catholic family. So there's like right Myers all over the freaking provinces up there, which was my mother's maiden name. And they're all huge Blue Jay fans. And so on Facebook, they might have to block me. well i'm just excited you know i i love summer is baseball to me and uh i love going to the games live and you know the past 20 years um when a team is bad and i've explained this on the podcast before but when you got a bad team um the the way you get through those seasons is just moment to moment game to game right you're not looking at the big picture you're going to the game and saying I hope we win this one, or at least if we don't, there's going to be a couple cool things that happen, right? Um, And so that's just kind of what I'm used to the Mariners. And I'll go to half a dozen games during the summer and, you know, while my summer's away at the ballpark and that's fun. And then the summer's over and, and baseball's over for me. And then last season, uh, we had some relevant baseball in September and that was a little weird. I'm not used to watching baseball in September. And now we've got relevant baseball in October. And I, I you guys, I, I don't know what to do with, with baseball when it's like dark and cold out. So, uh, <laughs> I don't well, know. we're going to have to learn because it's going to be here for a while. That's mm-hmm. right. It's going it, to, you know, and if they sign that core, if they, you know, they need to lock up Kirby and Logan and Cal Raleigh and Hey, let's throw Suarez some money and, uh, Castillo's already locked up and we got Julio. I mean, this is a really Maybe go really, get a really Trey cool Turner player. or an Aaron Judge. Uh, <laughs> That's right, who just broke the home run record today. Yeah. So congratulations, Who's Aaron Judge. now really close with Julio? Like, You know, I'm just saying, uh, uh, DePoto, maybe, uh, you know, you know, go out and go out. Start spending that money we don't have. That's right. <laughs> Well, that's really fun, and uh, I can't wait to talk about uh, uh, talk about this next week. Um, you know, when we when we have some baseball to play. Um, shall we get some dorking? Sure. Dork out about some I've stuff. Got, I've, I have tailored my dorking a little bit to the conversation we've just had. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's hear it. What, so, are, what are we dorking uh, out? About? I uh, I don't know if y'all are familiar with John Boys. 
Um, he's a YouTube creator. He uh, he actually has a, a sports themed storytelling video uh, pod called Dorktown. So I feel like he's in our yeah. wheelhouse. Um, <laughs> but he's got one on the time that the New Orleans Saints uh, needed to win. Uh, a game, the last game of the season, I believe against the Jets or the Jaguars, I can't remember when, and they ran a ridiculous Hail Mary, scored a touchdown before the game ended, and then missed the point after. Oh, and God, I a, remember that. There is a lovely, <laughs> lovely radio call where the, the guy just goes, no! <laughs> and just holds it. Um, and it, uh, Stephen, I'm sure you're familiar with it. But honestly, it's a beautiful bit of storytelling. It's from his series, Pretty Good, Season 2, Episode 1. Um, and it's just, it's treating it as um, uh, expressionist painting, uh, treating this moment that they hold. And it's it's really just wonderful storytelling. Beth, my wife, loves this thing um, because it's just so well told. And then the other piece, which is similarly from... Uh, uh, John Boys. Um, and this is something that I believe should have won an Emmy um, because it is one of the most magical, perfect pieces of media that I've ever seen. It's a series um, about the Seattle Mariners uh, from, from Dorktown. Yeah. Uh, and it is about their origination all the way up to 2019 I think 2020 it came out right at the start of the pandemic um it's it is a beautiful piece of storytelling um and it's called the uh the overall thing is um I think it's called it's just the history of the Seattle Mariners with the subtitle of the weirdest team in the history of sports and it talks about six stadium it talks about how um so much of the initial start of the Mariners was just fucked up and weird uh and it talks yeah. about all the colorful characters my favorite moment of the entire thing it's it's like we're getting done with the Griffey part and then you at the end it's like you just see uh a hand holding the bottom of a bat and it's like oh shit Ichiro and then it just cuts into this little bit of storytelling where it's like and then it turns out like a 21-year-old Ichiro met with uh, Ken Griffey Jr. And they just loved each other and had a great time. <laughs> and that influenced Ichiro to sign with the Mariners. Mm. And it's like all these, it's, it's just beautiful storytelling. And I cannot recommend it enough. I have watched it now three times through. I might watch it again before the game on Friday just because... The Mariners have sucked so bad for so long. And, and <laughs> but that doesn't mean that they're not worth rooting for, that they're not worth engaging with, that they're not worth believing in. Um, I mean, I, I so, just I think it makes it even stronger, right? I think yeah. that that makes that bond even stronger. Totally. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for the recommendation. I have to I have to check that out, Alana. You um, will love it, Daniel. Where, 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 where is it available? Where do you get it? It's on YouTube. Um yeah, just look for the history of the Seattle Mariners by Dorktown. Aaron has made us watch the whole thing. <laughs> Has he? Yeah. What, what and what do you think about it, Stephen? A lot of it is a little much for me, but okay. uh, 
but I, I understand why you love it. And it is, I mean, it is all about the Mariners. I mean, it's, <laughs> it goes into a lot of detail. Much so there's an entire episode about the Yankees Mariners series from '95. Yeah. Um, it, it's just one episode that's just about that series. Mm, that's yeah. excellent. And that does it. Does it start with the with the first failed bid uh, of getting an, an MLB team in? So uh, the, there's a, there's a, a cold open that's all about the Seattle Pilots, and then it's yeah. like this is the history of the Seattle Pilots, and then it's like, oops, no. It's it skips ahead. It's so Seattle to me. That whole history is so Seattle to me. I, I you know, the we first, don't have enough time to get into it. But if you're listening to this pod and you don't know the history of the Seattle Pilots, Google it. There's going to be a ton of articles and stories about it, and I implore you to read it because uh, it became it's just the a fantastically weird tale. Yeah, it became year. the Milwaukee Brewers. Almost, yeah. my dad, my dad, almost all immediately the way up until his last <laughs> breath hated. The Milwaukee Brewers with passion. <laughs> the first episode is called This Is Not an Endorsement of Arson. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I like it. Curtis, what are you dorking out about? Uh, you know, I guess I, the thing that I've been enjoying the most is uh, a continuation of the uh, the Lord of the Rings show on the uh, Amazon Prime stuff. Uh-huh. Like each episode is about 70 minutes long and kind of feels like its own sort of movie. And uh, it's got really good tension to it that I like. And um, yeah, uh, I love the cinematography to it. Um, like I said in a previous uh, podcast, I'm not the big biggest token person in the world. I, I enjoyed the films from like 20 years ago to an extent, um, but they've been nothing that I've really revisited over the years, and I'm enjoying it. Um, uh i started into the latest season of what we do in the shadows and oh, uh, it's excellent. i love that show that's I really, that show. Fun. I really love nandor i'm sort of a nandor <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm i'm a nandor guy like, i'm a nandor guy yeah um <laughs> you know i'm sorry I, I, laszlo is the greatest character on laszlo. tv right now <laughs> or is it or jackie daytona i love yeah. that whole dynamic between the two of them i think is is great um mm-hmm. and i'll just say that uh last week's episode of uh the she hawk i really enjoyed when she was in um group therapy with a bunch of goobers um uh <laughs> That was a fun episode. I've been sort of disappointed on the whole of the last season, this last past year with the MCU. I feel like, yeah, I feel like they've gotten their, um, they gotten their formula kind of out of whack. Um, I agree. Used to be a real, there used to be a really interesting balance between the weighty stuff and the levity, and now it's just sort of turning more and more into like yuck fest situation comedy that sometimes i feel is written by like 14 year olds especially that latest thor movie uh i feel like that i would have penned that when i was about 13 14 years old (laughs) and would have thought it was like hilarious um i i I agree with you i i haven't i've been a little disappointed in the mcu the past probably year and a half or something like that it just has lost its way a little bit i I think it might find its footing but i I think it's gonna find its footing with yeah i enjoyed hawkeye and ms marvel but i think that wakanda forever 
Um, I think that that's a group of people who take that story story very seriously. I'm looking forward yeah. to that. And I th- that new trailer has me really pretty excited about Agreed. it. And, Agreed. Um, no, I think that that's going to be that's going to be pretty. I think it's going to be really meaningful to a lot of people who aren't us. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And I want to. I, I hope that we all make the cultural space for them to have that moment, um, and not Lizzo flute it or black mermaid it because those things are important cultural milestones that a whole bunch of white people have really just can we can we coin that term lizzo fluting it what was the deal with lizzo and the flute i don't she was offered the opportunity to play james madison's crystal flute at the library of congress because they have instruments in addition to books and movies and she took that opportunity because she is a classically trained flautist uh, mm. and has been playing the flute for the majority of her life and a whole bunch of neo-nazis or white supremacists lost their collective minds um and was were saying things like it's it's a travesty and she's violating like this ancient artifact that's important and it's like all these people are reacting this way when they didn't even know the fucking thing existed Existing. and you know who did was lizzo um because she's a fucking classically trained flautist uh um and it was just wow. a bunch of neckbeards who decided that um uh, black women shouldn't be allowed to touch old white things like that was it that was the summary of what happened but they've it, it's made it on fox news as being like a, a, a violation a of something right and it, it's like would you listen to what she's playing and how she's treating this moment like it is with ultimate reverence for this object and for this moment and she's playing beautifully like yeah i i, I also love that you know fox news is is uh uh you know, working 24 hours on uh, a story like Lizzo playing an old crystal flute. And meanwhile, people are dying in Florida and a civil war is brewing in Iran. And, uh, right. you know, right. but this is, uh, this is what we're focusing on. Good, good mm-hmm. job guys. Yeah. Good job. Steven, are you dorking out about anything? Oh yes. I, I'm in the, what I hope is the tail end of a, I don't know, 20 month dork session with the spelling bee puzzle that comes out every morning on the New York Times website. (laughs) (laughs) Time with that, but I do not really let my day begin until I find all the words in the spelling bee. I know a lot of people who are in that uh, ritual right now. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's better if you don't make it so important. Um, like a lot of things. <laughs> Can I tell you when it first started going on? I uh, I I was I was really busy, and it, this is totally the kind of thing that I know if I get into, it would become a daily ritual. And I saw all of my friends one by one, you know, go down with it, and it reminded me a little bit of that Star Trek: The Next Generation episode where uh, Riker brings that uh, that game on board that he mm-hmm. got from his hookup in Risa, and it's like feeding everybody the addictive endorphins, and and suddenly the entire ship is playing that stupid game except Wesley Crusher. That's what I feel like a little bit, at least yeah. uh, you know, like six months ago when it was doing its thing. Right. I just can't seem to say that i'm done with it i mean i've, I've um <laughs> i don't know i started in january of 
2021 and I still have to get all the words every day or I can't get on with my day. So it's uh, it's a mental illness. The other thing, I'm very excited about the beginning of hockey season. I think the crack mm-hmm. playoffs oh, me too. this year. I think nice. it's a really good the pre- what do you think games? about Bowie? No. <laughs> oh, I love Bowie. Good. I'm so glad someone. I'm, I'm with a lot on that one. I dig Bowie. I, I, I like Bowie too, and I was actually surprised that Bowie was getting some uh, backlash. I think uh, the three the three of us might be the the only three in Seattle who actually like Bowie. So Bowie, Bowie if you want to come on this podcast? Uh, you're welcome to. Bowie I mean, was at the, the uh, Bowie's for kids. Bowie is for kids, yeah. Jenny thought that they should do Sea Hag instead of Bowie, and the Sea Hag could be a scary Sea Hag with a pitchfork who speared a shark when they play San Jose or you know, <laughs> speared an octopus when they play the Flyers, because apparently... It's as long as the Sea Hag has, like, there. googly eyes, like, gritty, I'd be into sure. that. Yeah, Sea <laughs> Hag. When they get rid of Bowie, you're to hear I don't know. I like Bowie. Should be uh, Lawrence Olivier as Zeus in the original 1982 Clash of the Clash Titans, of the Titans, where yeah. the Kraken gets <laughs> Reese the Kraken. Why not? Yeah. Um, I I like the Kraken, and I, I think they've looked good in their exhibition games. I have. Uh, I I don't know. I think they're going to take a step forward this season. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. Um, I finished. Reservation Dogs. I, I watched the the final episode. Um, I I we have I've talked about it on this pod. I really enjoyed um, this second season. I love that show. Um, I thought the penultimate episode uh, was um, really affecting. I cried my eyes out um, mm-hmm. in that last episode as well. Yeah. I uh, I thought they just really tied it together. Um, also, uh, the the character of Cheese has really came into focus in this second season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I like it. I, I That actor uh, is doing a great job with that character, but the way they developed that character um, and Willie Jack too, which were two, you know, I guess they were like stars in the first season, but of the, of that core group, they were kind of like, you know, the secondary characters where they focus more on uh, Bear and um, Laura Dannon. Uh, but uh, just she's um, never acted before. Is that right? He's never did. Yeah, no, not prior to reservation. Oh, yeah, that's true. I and think Willie I remember Jack hearing well. that on yeah. NPR too. He's he's he is definitely he he and Big and Willie Jack are probably like my three favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I love Big Spirit too, but yeah, uh, Cheese is just Cheese is just so affecting. Um, yeah. He might only ever do that one role, but that's uh, sensational. Um, I love that show so much. Um, uh, I'm just so giddy that it's got a season three. I get to watch yeah, it. Me too. <laughs> yeah, excellent show uh, that I think everybody should watch. Uh, that's all I got. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, you should check out Curtis's blog, 12life.com. Uh, he's always got really good stuff on there. Uh, really, really great stuff about Seahawks and um, the players and the coaches and some good predictions and stuff like that. If you like this podcast, you should uh, hit that plus sign and follow us wherever you're following us. We're on Apple and Spotify and all the, wherever you get your podcast, we're on it. And if you don't find our podcast where you get it, let us know and we'll get on there. 
Once again, my name is Daniel for Stephen, Alana Curtis, the rest of the 12s. Millie, we miss you. Say a goodbye. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Okay. But <laughs>